Danny and I are going to do something slightly different this year. You know, we're good. <laughs> we're going to do something slightly different this year. We're going to try to shift like how we do services. We're going to try to do some things like one week a month will be like a teaching month. Um, the other week will be like Danny and I are breaking it down and bringing it closer. We might do a prophesying month week. So we're just trying to break down some of the, the different ways we do the service. And um, I felt really strongly, which you know me, I'm not, I don't claim to be a teacher at all. But I felt really strong to teach today. I felt really strong to teach on, on a topic that I believe we're going to dig really deep into this year, which is identity. Um, and I'm going to talk to you on, on, all year about this topic. It's something I've been gathering resources for and experiences with God for a long time. And uh, I believe with what God has told us about being a rudder and about an entrance year, I think it's really key for us to grab this stuff that God is doing. Not only for us to grab it for ourselves, but there are many people on the planet who don't know who they are, they don't know who God is, and they don't know what their purpose is. And so, and they don't, they, they think they can find all that stuff without God. You think you can find your purpose and you think you can find your identity by all kinds of different ways. You can find it in your job or you can find it in what you feel about things. And you can't find your identity except for through your architect. Your designer architect is God and he tells you who you are. And uh, from that is where we shape our lives. So I'm going to talk to you today about Jacob. Anybody know the story of Jacob? I'm, I just have been listening to the story of Jacob quite a bit, and I'm going to basically, um, I'll read to you some scriptures, but I'm going to basically tell you Jacob's story from the way I talk, so you'll get to understand what Jacob's life was about. There are like 10 chapters in the book of Genesis dedicated to Jacob. It's pretty crazy. Like there's a lot of chapters that talk about Jacob, and they continue to talk about it after that. Um, but there's about 10 chapters in Genesis, which is a lot of the stories <laughs> is consumed by Jacob, which is a big deal. Um, so I'm going to tell you um, some things that I've got from this story and some other uh, key factors I got from other people as well. Um, and basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to do what like a movie does. I'm going to show you a, a key moment in Jacob's life. And then we're going to go back to the beginning and then come back to that moment. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get there today. We might go there again next week, but I'm just going to talk and teach about his life as far as we get. Um, so are you ready? We're ready for this? Okay. So first off, last week was amazing. We heard from God what God is talking to us about the year. Many people got words. Many people got um, different things that God is sharing. My favorite part was by the end of the day on Sunday, nobody wanted to go home. It was like 12 o'clock, 12.15, and people are still hearing God and praying. It was amazing, and no one felt like bored. Everybody felt like, well, God's just talking to us. It feels like we're just getting started. Let's just keep going. That's what it kind of felt like. That's a good sense for what I think this year's about. God's just getting started. He's just telling us a little things. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. And so I, I, I heard more throughout the week about what God was saying, and I heard where, where to sit in. Um, God doesn't, when he tells you something, it's very easy to put your perceptions on what you think it means. So last year, my word was resolve. And I like the definition that said, I got resolve. I can, I can do this. I, I got resolve until it's done. That kind of definition. And there was another definition there that said to resolve a problem, to find a, I have a question and a, and a problem and to find the resolve, to find the solution basically is to get resolve. And I thought my year was going to be more about standing in resolve because that's what I was doing. And it was true. It was that. But as I look at the end of my year, I realize it was a lot more of the other one. <laughs> there was resolve. I had resolve for sure. But it was more like God was giving me answers I didn't even know I was looking for. 
So that's the same way his words out shape. So what God gave me for this year, God gave me a word called tethered. I thought it was connection at first, and I'm like, that's not quite it. I'm just going to keep wrestling until, and he gave me the word tethered. And then I saw a picture. I don't know if you guys have seen Avatar. Has anybody seen Avatar? Well, I see you movie, right? So they had this little fiber optic thing. I think it's their tail or it's their their hair. I can't remember. And it sinks with a tree and it sinks with, it looks like fiber optics that intertwine, right? That's what he showed me tethered, but it was with him. And so as I was meditating on the word and just trying to figure out what that means, God told me to sit in John 14 through John 18 for the rest of the year. So that means I'm just going to be reading. I'm going to be looking at things and he's going to unveil to me what that word means. So I'm praying for the same thing for you guys. If God's not giving you a word, he's going to give you a word for the year. And that you'll be able to meditate on that word and he'll give you guidance on where to look to find what that word means. So he'll give it in his Bible. He'll give it in, in teachings and different things. So, um, and then the one thing that God's clearly told me at the end of last year was this year was going to be another year about identity. Um, and I thought I had just talked about Jacob. Has anybody ever heard me preach on Jacob? I know some of you have, but I looked and it was like 2015 that I shared about it. I thought it was way sooner. But I haven't shared this stuff about Jacob. And since then, I've gotten a whole lot more. So yeah, that's a long time to gather information. Seven years. He did wait for Rachel for seven years. So for seven years, I got more revelation on Jacob. So, all right. So are you trying to attain or keep something because you, because of who you think you are? This is a question I had. And remember we talked last week, we talked about entrance. This is a year of entrance. So it feels like we're going down a hallway. I think mom said someone described that there's a hallway with no door at the end or something. Like, yeah, okay, you saw, notice no, I don't see a door, I just see a hallway. But I know we're leaving something and we're going towards something, but I don't know what that is. But I know we both, Danny and I both said last week, you can't bring with you what you had. You can't fit everything in the hallway. So we got to move forward. And so how do we know what to keep and what not to keep? And so I, this, this phrase came out of that and I thought of Jacob instantly. Are you trying to attain or keep something? Are you trying to get or keep something because of who you think you are? And so here's a key moment in Jacob's life. And I'm going to read to you this moment. And I'm going to describe to you two identities that God, that, uh, that Jacob has. One was from God and one was from others. And then we're going to look from the paradigm of those two identities. So in Genesis 35, 16 through 21... Then they journeyed from Bethel, this is Jacob and all his family, and when, they were, they, uh, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you have another son. And it came about as her soul was departing, meaning Rachel was dying, she named him Ben-Onai, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up pillars over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on the, and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. So this scripture sounds confusing. It's just a little blip. And I'm gonna, we're going to end here again. And I'm going to tell you what's going on here, why I like this part of the scripture so much. So first off, Jacob has two words. In this, in this scripture, he goes by Jacob and he goes by Israel. Jacob means heel grabber or one who strives. Um, some people call it deceiver. Um, what is the other version that, that, that um, supplanter? 
So these are different things, but it, in, in, layman, in our term, in like English language, it means to strive. It means to one who strives at any cost, even if it means deception, even if it means like I'm going to strive. I'm, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get there. That's what it means, okay? That's what Jacob means. Um, and then Israel means God prevails. Can you think of two more opposite meanings? One who strives or one where God prevails. So we're going to look at Jacob's life through two filters. One is one who strives, and the other one is one who God prevails through. These are the two meanings, these two identities that have been given to Jacob, and we're going to read through his life from those two identities and see if you can identify when those ones are popping up. Is that fair? And just a, just a prelude to this, you have identities too. <laughs> you have ideas about yourself that life has tried to tell you who you are, and you have things that God has tried to tell you are, and you have moments where you live from either one of those identities. And if you, knew, if you could be able to tell the difference ahead of time, you might be able to decide to do things differently rather than just go through life and then see which one you become. Wouldn't it be nice to know? <laughs> right? So this is, what we're gonna, this is why we're going to learn about Jacob so that we can do this same stuff for us. Um, if you're a heel grabber, one who strives, you will need to attain some things. If you're a, a one who strives, if you're one who's desperate and is willing to deceive, I guess you're going to need to grab onto some things that you don't think you have. Right? Um, I don't know if you remember the first time I did speak on this, um, Pam Novotny came up. Do you remember what she shared? She shared that if... Uh, it says Esau was born red and hairy, right? And then Jacob was born grabbing on to the heel of Esau. And if I, if I remember right what Pam said, she said it's likely that Esau was actually younger than Jacob because he was red and hairy. In the, in the, I can't remember what she said about all that, and, but it means that maybe they came out in the wrong order. Interesting. So I'm going to get to you. So first off, Jacob's first experience was being born. And that's in Genesis 25. He was born, and he was born grabbing the heel of his brother. So what did Rebecca do? Rebecca named him heel grabber. But before he was born, Rebecca heard from God something. She was wondering why the two beings in her stomach were not getting along. <laughs> I don't know what all that felt like, but she had twins. She must have known she had twins somehow. They didn't have ultrasounds back then. But she fed, there was like a fight in her stomach. And so she, she went to God. Why is this happening? And in Genesis 25, verse 23, she, she asked God, what's going on in here? What's going on? And this is what God said to her. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger and the other than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Isn't this interesting? So that's all she got as her answer. I think she probably wanted to know, how can I get them to get along? <laughs> God, can you help me get these things to get along in my stomach? Because this doesn't feel good. And God just gives her an answer of, these are two people. One is stronger, one is not. And the other, the older will serve the younger. So you would think that Rebecca might name them somewhere appropriate. But Rebecca names Esau, the first baby, which literally means Harry. <laughs> Looked at him. Oh, you're Harry. So I'm going to name you Harry. All right, and then she named Jacob. Oh, you're a heel grabber. You just grab heels, so that's why I'm going to name you heel grabber. That's what she named him. <laughs> Jacob means heel grabber or striver, one who strives. So it wasn't, Jacob was not being defined by God. He was being defined by what he did, the very first thing he did. 
Have you ever been defined by the very first thing you did in something and it wasn't accurate to who you are? Is it really hard to get out of that when that happens? Maybe you're in a job and the very first thing, I've had, the, I've had this happen once. I started a job and the first week I called in sick, which if you knew me, I don't call in sick. It was, I fell on my floor, I fell on the floor because my back went out and I couldn't literally move. And I'm like, this is my first week in this job. This is not who I am. I haven't called in sick in seven years in the last job. And I was like annoyed and I had to work, I had to work past that because their perception of me was one who calls in sick. Right? They didn't call me that, but they were thinking that, <laughs> right? So I had to work past that and to redefine who I was. Some people I never got past that with. <laughs> was my immediate manager, he was not a very nice guy to me. Anyways. And then I found out later he didn't like me because I reminded him of his wife, who was trying to get him to be a Christian. <laughs> I didn't like how that said until, until I'll finish the sentence. was Because... She was a believer, and he wasn't, and she's been trying to get him to believe in God, and everything I did was reminding him of that, and he didn't like me because of that. And then later on, he gave me the book, The Shack. Like, clearly, he had turned his life around, which is crazy. But he didn't tell me that until after I left the job. Thanks a lot. The whole time I was at the job, he treated me very, very not nice. Anyways. So, Esau meant Harry. Jacob meant heel holder or surplanter or one who strives. So, both Jacob and Esau were, were named by natural observation. I'm here to tell you that life tries to name you by natural observation. You try to let life name you by natural observation. And this is something that we're in this year. God is going to walk us through letting go of what we're not so we can grab on to what we are. We cannot be who we were up till now to get to where we're going. We have to let go of what we were, even if it was good. And it got us here. We have to let go of that so he can actually tell us who we truly are and walk into what's next. Uh, Dad's quote last week was, a we're a rudder, it's a rudder year, and who you are determines where you get to go. I, can't, I didn't quote it quite, quite right. I had it written down properly how he said it, but it's who you are uh, gives you the direction on where to go. And so that's what God is doing this year. He's naming us who we are, not what life has told us we are. So one who strives needs more than he has. So Jacob's beginning of his life, he's a heel grabber, but all the way from childhood till young adult, his mom liked him. Rebecca liked Jacob, and his dad, Isaac, liked Esau. So Jacob's entire life, he was trying to get his approval from his dad. You see, Jacob was supposed to be one who is served by Esau, by God's standards, but by his dad's standards, Esau was first. Esau's a hunter. Jacob's not. Esau's stronger. Jacob's weaker. Like, there was a bunch of things that didn't match what, Esau, what Isaac thought, a, a, I don't know, a son worthy of love should have. <laughs> so Jacob, his whole life, was probably doing all kinds of things to get his dad's attention and probably even his brother's attention. To be loved by his dad, to be loved by his brother. His mom loved him, so much so that Jacob got on board with deceiving, I'll do whatever it takes, one who strives, I'll do whatever it takes to get what I have coming to me. Meaning, when one day Esau is super hungry from hunting, and Jacob happens to have a bowl of soup stirring and brewed, and it smells delicious, and Esau says, I want some soup, would you give me some? And Jacob says, I'll give you some if you give me your birthright. Which I don't think we understand what that means. In the Bible, that's a big deal. That's like everything. Everything that my father has goes to the first son. 
Now you're saying, I get all that. Yes. If you give me that, I will give you a bowl of soup. And Esau says, okay, fine. I'm hungry. What good does it do me if I'm dead? So give me some food. So they sw he sw swaps. And everything that was coming towards Esau is now going to come towards Jacob. Then later on, Isaac, his dad, becomes blind. And the, the Isaac is about to go die. And before he dies, he wants to bless his son Esau. So he tells his son Esau, go hunting. Go get me a, a catch me a, a wild animal of some sort. And we're going to cook it. And we're going to have our last meal. And I'm going to bless you. And Rebecca heard this, Jacob's mom. And said, okay, while he's out, why don't you go grab, grab a lamb, sacrifice it, dresses him up, makes, it, makes him feel like he's hairy, <laughs> so that when, if, he's, if Isaac touches him, he knows, oh, it's not Jacob. Um, and so that's what happens, is basically Jacob deceives his dad, convinces him that, it's, that uh, he's Esau, by having hairy arms, brought a meal, tries to change his voice, but it sounds like him still. And he swore, Jacob lied, and said, I am Esau. Do you, are, you, are you really Esau? Yes, I am. That's what he said. So one who strives will even lie to your dad to get what you think is coming to you. Do you understand? So that's what happened. Um, he ends up getting his blessing, and then Esau comes in, and Esau is very upset. Don't you have anything for me? I already gave my blessing to, to your brother. Do you give me anything else? And he goes, I give you whatever's left. And it, he still blessed him, but it was not a great blessing. You'll serve your brother, <laughs> which is a fulfillment of what God said in Rebecca's tummy, which is the one will serve the other. The older will serve the younger. Okay? So that's starting to come in alignment with that. So let's make you got a picture of Jacob's upbringing, right? But if Jacob still thinks of himself as one who strives, it's never enough. He's got a birthright. He's got a blessing from his dad. He still needs more. So he meets this girl one day. <laughs> he meets Rachel. He meets this girl at the water well. And she's beautiful. She's, she would make him feel like he's enough. She's like, oh man, if I had her, maybe my brother would think I'm somebody. He might not be thinking that consciously, but subconsciously, like if I had her, I'd, maybe I'd be enough. <laughs> okay? So... He actually does something that's super not talked about in the Bible. He kisses her in his fir at first sight. That's what it says. He says he kissed her. Yeah, I read it. I read it three times to make sure. Because <laughs> normally that's the bad news, right? Like this is Bible we're talking about. And then he goes to Laban, Laban her, her dad, and says, I, I want to marry your daughter. And... Basically, it's allowed because this, this is still their family line. These are still the people of God. These are not the, the ites. These are actually the, the family of Abraham. So it's, it's permitted for them to marry. Um, and so he asks permission, and Laban says, okay, they make, an, they make a deal. I'm not going to let you just be here for free. What do you want from me? He goes, well, what, my payment would be I want to marry your, your daughter, Rachel. He goes, well, if you work for me seven years, you can have Rachel. And it says that seven years went by fast because, it, because of how much he loved Rachel, because of how much one who strives knew that Rachel would be his solution, it went by fast. You see, God has been in the business of changing why we do things in the last three years. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. God, if you were born to be loved, you can no longer do things to get love. You already are loved. But if you've been doing things your whole life to get love, it, sometimes it goes by, it makes the work not so bad. 
Because you know what? At least I'm doing this for a reason. I'm going to get love. Because, so I'm going to do this, do this, do this. I'm going to get the, what God wants for me. So I'm just going to keep doing this. And it doesn't even feel like work because at least the problem's going to be solved in the future. Right? Anyways. <laughs> I think this is good stuff. <laughs> okay? So Jacob, one who strives, found a way to get his problems solved. He won't have to strive anymore. Once he gets her, it's a done deal. So he works for seven years. On the wedding night, I don't know what happens, but it says in the scripture on, on, uh, in, in Genesis 29, 17, before he gets her, the, he has, she has a sister who's older, by the way. And in their world, the older ones have to be married first before the younger ones. They never said, they never said this. They didn't read the fine print. Okay, and in Genesis 29, 17, it says, Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. So you can interpret what this means. That means Leah wouldn't be enough for one who strives. Leah wouldn't be an outward appearance of what would be the solution for one who strives. But Rachel, one who's beautiful in appearance and everything, would be enough for one who strives. That's what he is interpreting. And so on the wedding night, Levin, the dad of both the girls, tricks them, and somehow he doesn't notice that it's Leah. I guess they stopped kissing after the first time. Yeah, I'm guessing there's some alcohol involved. I guess weddings did have a lot of alcohol involved. I don't know. So anyways, she wakes, he wakes up the next morning and realizes it's not Rachel, feels super deceived and feels like robbed, right? And can you imagine Leah here? I just try to put myself in Leah's shoes just a little bit. This feels just like, I bet you she was an awesome woman. I have a feeling Leah was pretty awesome. Actually, I know she was based on this whole story, actually. And uh, so anyways, he talks to dad, the dad, and the dad says, you know, if you work for me another seven years, I'll give you Rachel too, because we can't marry off youngest daughters first. We have to marry off the oldest first. And I'm sure he said some words. I mean, Why didn't you tell me this before? Why didn't he didn't say that? So he gets Rachel, but they work seven more years for Rachel. So he's worked... 14 years, one who strives has worked 14 years for his problems to go away. Guess what he discovers after 14 years? His problems are still with him. Because after that, he says he wants to leave. He wants to take his wives now, two wives, and he wants to leave his father's house. And Laban, the father-in-law, says, or Laban, I think you call him Laban. I've been saying Laban, but it's Laban. Laban says, no, you know what? I've been being blessed because of you, so you can't leave me. <laughs> you've been making all my flock grow. You've been, making, you've been making me grow. You make me look good. So, no, you can't leave me. These are my daughters. You can't take them away from me. And he says, what if we work a deal where I start working and I start growing things for myself? I start growing plants for myself. I start taking animals for myself. What would be fair to you? And he could, Laban wouldn't answer, so he said, what if I take all the ones that are without whether I have spots that have blemishes. What if I take the sheep that are black and the, and the sheep that have the blemishes on their skin and, on their, and, the, and the goats that have blemishes he's like, and stripes? And he said, yeah, that'll work. I'm sure that Laban's looking at his flock going, there's not very many of those. This will, this will be okay. But see, you didn't, you didn't understand that even though Jacob appeared to Laban as one who strives, in reality, Jacob was actually Israel, one who God prevails through. And so for the first time in Jacob's life, he starts to act like his true identity. 
He made an agreement with his father-in-law. I'm going to get these animals, the spot and blemish ones. And then God gives him an idea. Why don't you tear off some stripes in these branches and put them in the place where they, where they gather water and they actually mate in this area. And I want you to put those branches next to the, the healthy, strong ones when they're mating. That was a God idea. I mean, who would have thought of that? I don't know if that was a trick that they knew about. It sounds like a God idea to me. And he boldly does this thing that makes his flocks, all the striped ones, all the black sheep, all the different ones that were the oddballs, they're the ones that are now more strong than all the other ones. And that took another six years. So now it's been 20 years where he served Laban. And he knows he can't just leave, but guess what he does? He just leaves anyways. He doesn't tell Laban he's leaving because he thinks he's going to do what he always does, talk him out of it, change his mind. This is, I mean, I've been tricked me once, I'm a fool, <laughs> tricked me three times, you're the, <laughs> like, whatever, right? So he's, he's basically done being tricked by Laban. He's decided to move on with his life. And so he leaves, and this is where, there's two things in here I want to point out. One was, but when he left, before he left, they had a bunch of children. Well, Leah had a bunch of children. And it says Rachel was... Um, jealous of her sister. And for the first time, you see Jacob get mad at Rachel. You see Jacob get... Now, Jacob still loves Rachel more. It actually says God took pity on Leah and gave Leah kids because she was loved less by Jacob. <laughs> it was, she was loved less by one who strives. Because what we discover in the future is she was loved more by one who God prevails through. <laughs> I'm just interpreting his, his, his uh, phrases. So if you look at the sons of Leah, she had f six sons. And if you look at their names, you realize this is exactly what one who strives needed. So the first son that Leah had was Reuben, which means behold a son, which is what Jacob longed to be called, a son who was accepted by his dad. Behold a son. The second son was um, Shimeon, which means heard. This is what Jacob's always longed is to be heard, to be understood, to be seen, to be known by his dad and his brother. <laughs> then Levi was the third one, which means to be joined to. This is what Jacob's always longed for. One who strives has always wanted to be joined to. Something joined to his daddy, joined to one who gives, gives gifts. Then, number four, the fourth child was Judah, which we have a Judah recently been born, which means praised, okay? And then she had two more sons, Issachar, there is recompense, and Zebulon, which means exalted. These are all six children. These all represent what one who strives has been longing for, but already has if he could just admit that he is one who God prevails through. Does that make sense? Am I making, is this making, like, is this clear? Or is this, okay, I can't tell if I'm, like, talking too fast or, I mean, it's all in my head, so I'm trying to get these thoughts out nicely, but I, I'm seeing all the kinds of things. So another thing, so first he was mad at Rachel for being jealous. Then when they leave, it, um, Jacob told them to, to leave, like, a bunch of stuff behind and all this stuff. But this, Rachel decides to take their idols, the gods that they worship, with her. So Laban wakes up, finds out that this entire family's gone. All his grandkids are gone. All his kids are gone. Not only that, his gods are gone. <laughs> okay? 
This is what happens. He wakes up, and I'm, mad, I'm guessing he's mad. Laban doesn't seem like a very fair man to me. Okay? On his way to see Jacob, God stops Laban and says, you will not harm Jacob, you will not say something bad to him, or you will not say something good to him. So God is treating Jacob, not like Jacob, God is treating Jacob like one who God prevails through. See, Jacob didn't have to defend himself. All he had to do was follow God's voice and God would defend him. Is this making sense? So this is the journey we're on right now. We have these names that God... For some reason, um, it's still hard for, for people to get on this journey. And now we can, we're going to identify why. So God speaks to Laban. Laban protects. And Laban runs into him. And then basically Laban searches all of Jacob's tents, searches all of Leah's stuff, and gets to Rachel. And Rachel's sitting on her mule or donkey or something. I think it's camel. A camel, and it's got the gods are hidden under earth, underneath her, and then she uses her time of the month as an excuse not to move. <laughs> I can't move. It's my time of the month. I can't. I can't leave. So they don't search it. They don't. He doesn't find the 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 idols that are hidden underneath her. So the person, the one who strives, thought he needed Rachel to be the answer to his problems, but it turns out the one he thought he needed become the problems maker. This happens to us all the time in our lives. We think, I'm just going to pause and just talk plainly. We think, we, we find solutions, and we think sometimes God gave us a solution. And we're going after this solution. We're going after this thing. If I just get this job, if I just get this skill down, I can be enough. If I just get, all, if I just get this person to like me, then I'm enough. If I just figure out how to be a better mom, figure out how to be a better dad, if I just get these things, it's all coming from an idea that you're not who you're supposed to be already. And so we start pursuing these things, and when we finally get those things, and we start going there, the very thing that we thought we wanted becomes the problem maker. If I just be a good dad, you know how many parents I see being horrible parents because they're trying to be good parents? That is the only reason they're not being good parents is because they're trying to be... Let's, let's give you some examples. If, if you're a parent and you're trying to protect your kid, I'm going to make it so my kid is never hurt. You're protecting your kid. You think you're doing a good job because that's what a good parent does. Protect your kid. Protect your kid. Well, what happens when you're not around? No one's going to protect your kid like you did. Did you prepare them for life? Or were you trying to be a good parent? If you just think about your kid, you'll be a good parent. <laughs> but if you think about what you're, what's going to make you look good as a parent, you'll become something that's not who you are. Does that make sense? <laughs> This is, we do this all the time, not on purpose. It just, we just naturally fall into this way of thinking. I, I got I to gotta be a good friend. And a good friend would tell the truth. A good friend would, would, uh, would never rock the boat. And a good friend would do whatever they want. And then you find out later that you weren't actually being a good friend because you never asked them what they wanted in the first place. You were just giving them what you thought you would want, maybe. <laughs> right? So you weren't actually being a good friend. You were trying to be one, but you end up, in turn, you end up making that relationship toxic because you were trying to be something all because you never thought to, to realize why you were asking that question in the first place. If you already were a good friend, you wouldn't need to prove it. You would ask different questions if you already believed you were a good friend. But if you already believe you're not a good friend, you're going to try to do things to prove it. <laughs> okay? That's, that's why I'm talking about this topic is because I believe God is revealing these things that are in our hearts 
that aren't true to who we really are. Um, so later on, Jacob is asked to, uh, to leave and to go back to where he first left his brother. So when he deceived his brother, he took off, by the way, hid, hid, hid for life, and he was lying down, and he saw these angels, and he saw them ascend and descend, and he called this place, Behold, this place must be Bethel. It was the first time he had this connection with God on his own, outside of his mom and his family. And God says, I want you to go back now to that place called Bethel, where you ran from Jacob, or where you ran from your brother Esau. And on his way back, he, uh, he has an encounter with somebody very strong, <laughs> and he starts wrestling with this person. Our God's wrestling with him, and he realizes it's God, and he's wrestled all night long. And you know, we ask what the story goes. I've heard sermons on this many times. If you don't have a limp, don't trust that person because they haven't wrestled with life yet. I've heard pro so many messages on this. that Jacob was wrestled, and in this, in this moment when he was being wrestled with God, um, he uh, was called, God said, you no longer will be called Jacob. It's in, and it's in Genesis 35, uh, verse 9, in, in the, in the, or verse 10 actually says, your name is Jacob, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus, he called him Israel. So God called him Israel, which means God prevails. One who God prevails through. Okay? That's what Israel means. Now, what's interesting is, right after this, he sends people to go see Esau. And Esau, they report back. Esau's not going to stay there. He's actually coming to meet you. And he's bringing 400 men with him. So Jacob went right back to being Jacob, one who strives. Of course, when God calls you something new, He always gives you an opportunity to see if you believe it or not. What's the one person He wants to be liked by the most probably on the planet right then? It's probably Esau. It's the one person He's deceived. It's the person He's... Re like, it's, there's no way you could know that God has already changed Esau's heart unless you were one who God prevails through. But if you're thinking you're one who God, one who has to strive for everything, one who has to deceive and one who has to do more and do, do this, that, then you're going to be realizing, I have to do so much more to get Esau to like me because <laughs> I made him mad and there's no way this is going to work out. Does this make sense? Okay, so he goes along this journey. Turns out that Esau has got no quarrel with him. Esau's heart is completely changed. Uh, Jacob tries to give him tons of things, gives him gifts, gives him, um, sets people before him. He bows down seven times before him <laughs> and says, I'm so, and he calls him Lord, and Jacob calls himself a servant, which is backwards from what God said. God said, you will serve the one who's older. <laughs> the older will serve the one who's younger. And Jacob's trying to go serve the one who's older. I am the servant. You're the Lord. That's what he called him. So he's trying to, he's acting like one who strives. And Ended up being where they worked out their disagreements and they, they camp together. They have life together. So much so that they get so blessed together. Esau's life was impacted by Jacob's life because of how much blessing was flowing through and they grew too much. They had to go depart because the land couldn't contain all of the goodness that God was doing. So again, you see one who God prevails through <laughs> having an impact on the people around him. Jacob just doesn't know that's who he is yet. And so here's the story. We're going we're gonna to be able to tie this up. So um, the story ends 
in, in my opinion, this ends. They get asked to go again somewhere else. And on the way, God appears to Jacob and says, you, he says it boldly. Now, I don't know about you. If I had wrestled with God and I thought I could die, and he said, you're no longer going to be called Jacob, you're going to be called Israel, I would pretty take that pretty serious. If God shows up a second time in form, in person form, in angel form, the angels appeared to Jacob and said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, you should be called Israel. He goes by Jacob the very next sentence. It makes, it makes no sense unless we understand why it makes sense. So right then, it says that Rachel, the scripture I read to you at the beginning, was giving birth. And then she gave birth to her last son. She gave birth to her first son, which was Joshua. Or not Joshua. Yeah, jo- uh, Joseph. And then her second son. She gives birth to this second son, and she names him Benoni. I want you to think about this. Jacob was named based on his birth experience. All of Jacob's pain came from being mislabeled at birth. His son was about to be mislabeled at birth. Benoni, son of my sorrows. And for the first time in front of Rachel, he became Israel. He said, no, she's, he's not going to be Benoni. He's going to be Benjamin. For the first time in his life, he stood up in front of the thing he thought he had to have. Something he worked for for years. Something he strived. And she dies on the, on, in that place. And from then on, he carries on with, with Leah and the rest of his family. And this is Jacob. This is, this is Israel now. And it says the very next sentence, it says, Israel pitched a tent. So for the first time, he goes by Israel. And from then on, Genesis refers to him as Israel. Until Joseph, the, the, the guy with many colors, coat of many colors, that's his son from Rachel. Until he gets told that Joseph is dead, it says Jacob mourned. That's the only other time after this moment that he goes back to his old identity. Isn't this interesting? So he was about to see his son go through the very thing he went through his whole life. Someone is mislabeling. He's going to be known as the one who killed his mother. Benoni, son of my sorrows. Whose sorrows? They're going to all ask. They're going to know what that name means. They're going to mean that name means son of sorrow. Whose sorrow did you cause? Instead of that, it's Benjamin, which means right hand of God. <laughs> I think it's a much better name than the one who killed your mom. <laughs> okay? So at that very moment, why was it so hard for him to let go? Because one who strives had actually earned a lot of things in life that were making him be able to survive. One who strives got Rachel. One who strives got, got won, won his prize. Won, won, got his uh, sheep and his, all the things. Got his inheritance. Got his blessing. One who strives got him all those things. So if I'm going to let go of one who strives, then who am I if I don't have that? If I'm not going to strive for something, then nothing's going to happen in my life. Does it make sense? This is what Jacob is going through. And for the first time, he stands up and God prevails through my life. I stand up as Israel. This is who I am. From then on, things changed. Things shifted. He no longer strived to get things. He, he operated as Israel. And, he, you, and you can see, and the, the interesting thing is, is where Leah was buried, where Rachel was buried. Rachel was buried on the side of the road. It said he put pillars over her. And it's to this day... Did you know that he was buried next to Leah? 
Leah was buried next to Abraham and Isaac. So then when he died, they brought his bones and they buried him next to Leah. Not next to Rachel. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that the son of God, the son of Jesus, came through the line of Leah? Now, some things came through Rachel, too. Joseph, or yeah, Joseph saved all of Israel, like went to Egypt and all this story, right? And Joseph, the son of Benjamin, that's actually Saul's tribe. Paul, Apostle Paul tribe was the tribe of Benjamin. So all 12 tribes came from Jacob. So this is to tie all this in, that both God, both families, both Rachel and Leah brought the, the family of God, brought the children of Israel, <laughs> literally children of Israel, not just the people, but the man Israel, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so from then on, something changed and he, he recognized who he was and he recognized who Leah was. Israel could see Leah, but Jacob couldn't because Jacob needed something more. So I said all that to say, what in our life has God been challenging us that we need to let go in this season? Is there an identity that we've been striving? Is there an identity that we've been trying to hang on to that has so much meaning to us because it gives meaning to all the pain that we've been gone through? It gives meaning to all the things that we've earned? There's a little sense of pride. At least, at least I try hard is what was my excuse. Remember I, I told you a while ago, God told me to give you all... I want you to give me a present. I want you to give me trying hard. I'm like, well, if I don't try hard, it just gets worse. Trying hard makes it bad enough. But if I don't try hard, it's worse. And he said, I just want you to give me trying hard. I'm like, that's the only thing I got. If I give you that, who am I? That's exactly what Jacob was asked. I want you to give me striving. That's the only thing I got, God. That's all I've ever done is strive. I want to give that to you. And then he says, I want you to give that to me, and I'll rename you something else. I'll prevail. But where were, he could have said, but where were you when this happened? Where were you when Esau came out first? <laughs> where were you when my dad wouldn't bless me unless I deceived? Where were you? He could have said all that. But that doesn't matter. What has happened in our past does not matter. What matters is how we move forward right now. You cannot be the old you with where we're going. You cannot use the things that got you to survive. You cannot use the things that God gave you that you're like, okay, I'm going to do this because it's always worked. I am telling you, it is changing in this season. And we are going down through this entrance because he's, he's challenging us to hear from him who are we. And we're different. We can't go the same way we did before. We have to try something the way he's telling us we are. Um, Ho, ho, ho. So what is one thing we think that Jesus is asking us to let go of in 2022? That's the challenge I have for us. Is there something God is asking us to let go of that he wants to bring us into this new way of living in 2022? Does this make sense? I know there's a lot. That was a, the full story. Not really. The, there's a lot more to it, but there's a whole bunch that happens in between. There's 10 chapters dedicated to this story, and I just summarized it all. Um, let's, let's stand up. And then next week, Danny and I are going to break down some of this and dig in a little deeper. Um, it's my favorite thing to do is dig in deep with people um, and figure out what God is actually saying to you personally. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you, put your hand on your heart. We're just going to ask God to talk to us. Maybe he's already told you. Uh, so Jesus, would you just, uh, just be with us in this room right now? We know you're here. Would you clear away all the fog, all the unknown, all the noise that goes on inside of our heads, inside of our hearts, inside of our spirits, our souls even, God, we just ask that you would clear the fog. And would you speak to us this, in this season what it is you want us to let go of?
Would you speak clearly in our hearts and make it make sense through picture or words or a sense of knowing of what it is you want us to let go of, to walk into what's next. And so, God, we give you permission to move our hearts, to change us from the inside out. We also give you permission to disrupt the things that we're going after that will cause us harm in the future. Would you help us to see the things that we might have grabbed onto as a solution that isn't the solution you want us to have? Would you help us to see that it's just going to end in a way that's not healthy for us, so we'll give that to you instead? So, God, we just choose to be your, your children, your sons, your daughters, coming to you and willing to let go of what we want us to let go of for 2022. In Jesus' name. Amen? Does anybody have anything they heard during this they want to share? Yeah? I, I just hear God saying that he's going to bring it, he's bringing us into a place where there's a clarity of seeing, where some of us has, has felt like you, you want to enter in this place and that you can't enter in with your old methods, that, um, that, that methods aren't going to work, that the clarity of seeing is going to bring new faith, that you can let go of those things you feel like you had to carry and you had to rely on. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a substance, you know, we're, we give and, and we, um, we're giving from the substance, not, and we're not dependent on any methods that we might have used in the past, but we're open to, to new grace. I actually feel that was for you, you, a lot of people, but for you is clearly. So I just, right now, God, I just ask that you would open her eyes to see differently than she usually sees, God. Even right now, specifically, God, the gift you've given her to see. You've given her a gift to see. We just ask, God, that you give her a gift to see herself completely different in this season, God. Would you help her see inward in a way that she's not been able to see before? And God, as she's taking the truth of who you're saying she is, that it would be a potent impact to her family, to, to everyone around her that's having a hard time seeing themselves. And God, I also ask you just give them a grace and a, and a, <laughs> a courage, God, to let go of the things that have helped them survive in the past seasons. God, we just, we just give her strength to let those things go so that she can embrace what isn't something she can earn but it's something she can just receive. So we just ask her eyes to be opened right now in a new way, in Jesus' name. Amen. That was good. I, I could, that was a good word for Rhonda. That was good for everybody. But Yeah, come on, Dad. He's going to be vulnerable. This will cost me, probably. <laughs> um, when you, you said to ask God what it is you want him to want, he wants you to give him, it reminded me of that question came up like three years ago. You asked a similar question. It was right before 2020. And uh, God asked me to give him my influence. And then it was right at Christmas time. And then you said, well, what does God want to give you? Ask God what he wants to give you. And, and so I asked God, what do you want to give me? And he says, well, I want to give you my influence. Well, then 2020 hit, 2021 hit. And virtually my international influence went down to like zip but during the past two years my influence God's influence through me has increased in all those places 
So now, you ask the question, ask him, ask the question, what, what do you, does he want you to give him? And I heard God say, I want you to give me your need to influence. Uh, that's why I said it may cost me. So I've given him my influence, and he gave me influence, but I don't think I gave him my need to influence. So there you go. No, no, stay, 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 stay. No, you gave it. I just want, you gave it already. So I just, God, I want to come into agreement with this. Not just for him, but for us. God, not just for him, but for us. That we would be vulnerable, and we would be ones that would give up. You would show us. Like David said, search in me, my heart. God, show me the areas I don't know. <laughs> and you, as you did, you, he was open to just give that right to you. God, would you make us like that? <laughs> would you show us? And, and not only that, God, we, we come into agreement that he's given that to you, which we also come into agreement that you've given him your influence, which means you've given him your need for influence too. Because <laughs> I don't think you need any influence much at all, God. I feel like you just... You got this. <laughs> so we just come into agreement with that too. And I just, I come into agreement with this word, uh, not just for him, but for us too. In Jesus' name. I let go of any strings. Okay, we let go of any strings. Yeah. Strings attached. I don't need you to give me your need to influence for me to give you my need to influence. So no strings attached. If, if I never influence another person, I let that go. Feel the weight of that. <laughs> you feel that? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Holy moly. Whew. Come on. Yeah, I can feel that. Come on. Because I, I, I feel the same, same thing. There's these certain things that I felt I've had to have. I just, I'll, thanks a lot, Dad. So for me, it's like uh, <laughs> I, I've known I was born to be loved. I feel like I am loved. I feel like God does love me. Where I get in trouble is when he gives me a task and I fail at it. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. I, don't, I know he doesn't love me less because I failed at it. I just know I didn't accomplish what he sent me to do. And the last thing I want on this planet is to make things worse. I'd like to make his dream come true. But what if, what if my giving up is I don't have to make his dream come true. I just get to sit in it. I just get to obey and just be there with him. And if it doesn't make it better, it doesn't. I just have to let go that I don't have to make his dream come true. I just get to be his son who's loved. I should be okay with that. And if I'm not, that's because I'm living from an identity that's not true of who I am. Do you feel that? <laughs> we all have those areas. They're sneaky little boogers. They get in there and they tell you, you have to be something. And they always sound righteous too. They sound like this is God. I got to have this proof, right? That's who God made me. So I got to have this because that would make me somebody. That would make me look good like God's kid. You don't need that at all. We need to let go. So in 2022, we let go of the things that are keeping us from being who we are so we can walk into who we truly are. And I think it's going to be fun. It doesn't have to be hard. It's only hard if we hang on to like we paid a price for 50 years. That this cost me everything to get this. No, you know what? I'm going to let go of what I paid the price for for 50 years because I want what's now. <laughs> As Dad always says, the kingdom of God is not the future. It's right now. It's in the present. That's where it is. You in agreement with me? All right. We're on a journey to find ourselves this year, and I'm excited to be on it with you. It's going to be exciting. So before you leave, say hi to somebody. Pray for somebody. Tell them some, maybe you've got to be invulnerable just like we were just vulnerable. <laughs> Share with what God is telling you to let go of, and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you, guys.